The World Economic Forum, also known as the WEF, is an international organization for public-private cooperation. They just had their annual meeting and they bring together people that are high up and level of stature and power and decision-making capability in the realms of politics, business, cultural, and other leaders of society that they say shape the global, regional, and industry agendas. <clears throat> they are also known by some as the self-elected uh, leaders of the world. <clears throat> now, it is a very controversial topic, and I'm not going to get into the politics or the controversy about it of it all, uh, but the bottom line is there are very powerful and influential people that go to this thing. So I thought it'd be a good idea to see what they're saying about crypto. I pulled two pieces uh, that we're going to talk about about crypto that I want to share with you. So I'm going to open up. I'm going to dive right in. You are watching How About That Crypto, your show and channel for crypto, Web3 news and updates. And I'm your host, Bitcoin Stylus. Please like, subscribe, follow, leave a comment. It helps support the channel so much when you do, and it ensures that other people get to see this information. It's our job in the crypto space to try to spread the information as much as possible and you never know what we're gonna what we're gonna end up with. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. And so if you're listening on podcast, you can just listen up, or you can use links below to follow along. And let's see here. Okay, so what I pulled up is this is CNBC International TV, and. This uh, gentleman is doing interviews. Actually, I'm not really sure his name. It, it doesn't really introduce himself uh, because I think this is like clips from a long running set of interviews. But in this, this is Brad Garlinghouse. He's the CEO of Ripple Labs. Ripple Labs, if you uh, don't remember, is, and I've been talking about a lot, is engaged in a two plus two years, over two year legal battle with the SEC over whether XRP is a security or not. Now, the this the case is whether they're a, they were a security when they initially sold the coins in the first place. So the question really is not were they a security then, but are they a security now? And that just means are they like a stock or are they more like cash or gold or oil where the price moves up based on supply and demand? And if it if it's more like gas or oil or gold or cash, then it's a commodity. It means that the set of there's one set of rules. But if it's more like a stock, then there's a different set of rules. And that's going to cause uh, a lot of institutions to stay away from the crypto space until we have some sort of clarity, at least from all these layer two. You know, what is your favorite coin? Leave a comment below. Let me know. What is your favorite coin? Is it anything other than Bitcoin or Ethereum or USDC? Because if it is, then you may be, want to pay attention. So this guy has been embroiled, his company has been embroiled in this lawsuit for a while. And uh, the interviewer is asking like about 2022 and where, where were we, where are we going and how did that impact our future? Okay. So just check, check this out. Up to uh, the FTX collapse. Um, how big reputationally uh, damaging has it been for the industry? 
That's pretty pretty damaging. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's it's compounded by the fact that uh, not just was FTX a leader in the exchange business, but Sam had obviously leaned into U.S. regulators, both in terms of donations, but also spending time on Capitol Hill. And so I think, you know, uh, FTX, in my view, now gets painted as a crypto problem. And I, I think if you really peel the onion enough layers, it's not really a crypto thing problem that happened here. It's fraud. And I think we should, you know, not pretend it's something else. You know, when, when Bernie Madoff, the, the, the Ponzi scheme that Bernie Madoff was running came un, uh, unfolded, we didn't say we need to regulate hedge funds differently. You know, we realized, okay, there are laws and oversights that had failed. Maybe they need to be tightened in some ways, but I, I think that we should be clear around the FTX, while it's certainly damaging for the industry, uh, it, it, it was a fraud. And, and just to be clear, for legal reasons, Sam Bankman-Fried has pled not guilty to all uh, federal... Uh, it is allegedly charges. a fraud. Yeah. Okay, so I like that little last bit right there, by the way. Sam Bankman-Fried has pled uh, not guilty. Therefore, in a country where you are innocent until proven guilty, he is technically still innocent. Uh, let me know if you agree with that. Uh, I mean, obviously not if you agree with whether or not someone should be innocent before proven guilty. Uh, but if you want to make a prediction, go ahead and drop one. Oh, and by the way, I didn't say this before. This is not financial advice. Uh, you're going to be able to take anything I say and use the links and do your own research to make your own decisions. I'm just kind of sharing with you the stories that I believe are important as a crypto enthusiast and a crypto I am a crypto investor and I will be transparent about anything that I buy if I'm talking about it or if I own it or if I don't own it. But this is not financial, legal or tax advice. Okay, so Brad Garlinghouse, he's not really talking about Ripple. Uh, he's just telling us like, yo, 2022 and into this year is marked by a ton of failures, a ton of scams, a ton of uh, fraud. Uh, well, at least we think it, it's fraud. It sounds like fraud to me. But at the end of the day, it's just like the, the system broke down due to humans, not because of the technology. And it's important to point that out, especially with regulators and law lawmakers, because they're the ones that are going to be making uh, set, setting up the rules that are going to impact this space. Now, let's hear what Brad Garlinghouse has to say about 2023 and where do we go from here and whether he's bullish or bearish on the space. Read the case. But look, I, I think, it, again, if you zoom out and think about what does 2023 look like, it, it forces everyone, I think, to really focus on are we solving real problems for customers? Are these technologies being deployed in a way that actually help consumers help businesses help citizenry you know at, at the federal level and i think a lot of what happens here at davos is talking about government uh engagement so i i remain very bullish but you know 2022 was a tough year for crypto no doubt do you think 2023 is more of a sort of rebuild kind of year rather than a sort of a boom year you know, uh, I, I've always tried to avoid short-term predictions because I think it's so hard to know timing. You know, in general, I feel like crypto winters, as we have called them, uh, have lasted six to 18 months. You know, between Luna and FTX was six or eight months. And I think the clock probably restarted around the FTX debacle. Uh, so I, I, I think that in these moments, the noise... Showing up on the first... So... Uh, that's a little commercial. Uh, first page of Google might not be Sorry. the best for everyone.
and the hype and the, you know, the froth exits the market. And I think companies that have real products uh, with, you know, that have been managed carefully and soundly without lots of debt, you know, I, I obviously. Okay, so what he's saying right now is that 2023 is going to be like the positive side of all this turmoil and all this downside, all this like negative price action and these failures and collapses. The positive side is that we're getting rid of the froth, which is just like the people out there just trying to make a quick buck, not the people who believe that this is like Web 3.0 or some new technology that's going to change our lives and the way we interact with each other or improve our experience on the internet by enabling us to x y and z well that x y and z is like what exactly are we using crypto for now if you're into bitcoin and you're like a bitcoin maxi or believe that bitcoin is like the future of money you know that's one use case and uh but that's not crypto that's not web 3 so what is crypto and web 3's use cases and do we separate and define the difference between crypto and the use of blockchain? Because blockchain has like NFTs and smart contracts and, and decentralization. And so you can tokenize assets. So, so I think it's important that I think this year is what I'm hearing him say is that this year is going to be really about the companies who actually offer real products. So let's talk about that for a second, because like I think the big question really is like, what exactly are the use cases? Because the a lot of the use cases, in my opinion, aren't really that staggering uh, of of a tech application. Like collectibles with NFTs is not a earth shattering thing. I don't think that it's bringing the value that say email had brought to the world. So. Tokenization of real world assets, I feel like someone needs to explain that. Like if you're saying you're going to put every, all stocks on a blockchain and that way they can be traded 24-7, that sounds interesting. And that's a massive use case. As long as they're built on a public blockchain where I can buy the native token and if it's a proof of stake, I can stake it in a validator pool and I can make a return on that coin for, val uh, for securing the blockchain and validating transactions. Now that's a real use case. However, that's just one use case and that's going to impact a lot, but it like what else is there? So I found this is another conversation where it says what WEF panel discusses the great great crypto reset. We're going to talk about use cases first and just think about the separation between blockchain and crypto. And here you go. And and use cases in the enterprise space in there. Where what are you seeing most demand for um, at the moment, uh, and sort of in the year or two ahead? Well, we're definitely seeing tokenization of assets. Right. You know, specifically digital assets. We will be minting 25 million patents on the public Casper network, which is very very exciting, um, and it allows the creation of patent bundles. It allows for transparency and clarity around who owns a patent and really gives intellectual property and owner, owners, you know, it's a very expensive portfolio, right? An opportunity for them to monetize those assets, right? And taking it further to trade secrets um, as an example, but all of the kinds of intellectual property. So we're seeing a lot of excitement around provenance and tracking of assets. And Okay, so that there you go, real world assets and digital assets. Uh, so um, the IP specifically like patents. So if you can uh, tokenize your patents, then you can one, manage them. You can have an easy access place to say, hey, 
this is my patent and it's easy to prove. We don't have to go through some long process to prove that I'm actually the owner and it's legit. Uh, it would probably make search easier on those patents, but also guess what it does? It gives you liquidity to those things. So you can lease them or you can sell them. You can uh, license them. All right, keep going. And really using the blockchain to help you know, govern that for, for enterprises. So that's one very exciting area. We're doing a lot of exciting work in the area of traditional finance, um, where we are doing things like invoice factoring and tokenization of leasing assets. So a lot of really interesting work even happening in traditional finance, really uplifting their systems and streamlining so they can get real-time uh, real view into their cash flows, right? Which, if you think about some of the collapses that have happened in the past, the reasons they happened is because those systems are so antiquated, right? They're not getting real-time telemetry on what's happening in their, you know, with their cash flows. So we're really excited to be working with them to help uplift those you, entire systems. And you made an interesting point earlier about enterprises sort of conflating at times yes. sort of blockchain technology with sort of cryptocurrency. Very much so. Now, Casper Labs, of course, has its own token. So when you work with enterprises, are they interested in that part of the equation? And are you sort of using this token with some of the enterprise solutions you're, you're working out or are sort of businesses very much like no we kind of don't want to touch anything that resembles some sort of you know cryptocurrency we're happy just with the tech and it's interesting like right now we're noticing a significant uptick in hybrid blockchains so they are not that you know afraid of touching the public network they want access to the public network right. they're very cognizant of private confidential data both from a competitive advantage perspective you know trade secret perspective so they do want to run their own infrastructure but they recognize a couple of things one that there's a growing abundant ecosystem that they want to tap into so they're very much interested in that and two they also recognize that private blockchains really don't have the security guarantees that public blockchains do so they're looking to secure these private blockchains as private layer twos and all right so there you have it that's uh i think some of the most valuable news that is that i've seen come out of uh the world economic forum is a little insight into what the industry is cooking up now i what i don't hear is a lot of impact on the consumer i feel like uh, enterprise solutions and uh you know what is that what is the end user, the end consumer? Like, how do they benefit from that? I'm not really sure. If you have any ideas, go ahead and leave a comment below. I'd like to hear from you. Uh, but what I have heard is uh, loyalty rewards programs can be did tokenized. And that's really interesting. I, I think, I also don't think that's earth shattering. I think maybe uh, enabling this whole concept of digital, what is a digital asset? I don't think that a lot of people really put a lot, understand the value of owning a digital asset, being able to, being able to authenticate and uh, authenticate it as well as prove that it's yours and you have control over that digital asset uh, because I don't think like when you, we think of data, we don't necessarily think of like what we own. You know, we, everything we do online creates data and uh, we don't get to monetize that data at all. It's, it's the exchange we we're giving our data for the use of whatever product or tool or uh, whatever that we're using or consuming online. Uh, but when you start thinking about, Having ownership of, of that data, I think the more education that we get 
as individuals on what that would mean for us and what that looks like. I think that's really what I want to see come at, come out of this stuff. So I'm still waiting to hear you know, the inner institutional enterprise level adoption and use cases are interesting, especially because they're, they're saying that they will touch a public blockchain. Just remember, blockchain, the technology is not an investable technology unless you're a business and you're going to use the technology to improve the procedures of your business or enhance like a customer's experience or create efficiencies for in your business. But a because if and if you don't touch a public blockchain, then no, nobody can invest in that actual blockchain. The only way to really like be able, and this is not investment advice, this is the way I see it. And the only way for me to capitalize off of my investments into crypto is if these enterprises that are going to be using these things, using this technology, are interacting with or building on top of public blockchains. Because if they're on a public blockchain, I can buy the native token because that token has to be used every time a transaction occurs on that network. And um, so then the question is like, can someone bypass a layer a layer one and just use a layer two network? And that's going to be really interesting. So, like, there's a big argument as to as to whether or not Ethereum value of Ethereum continues to grow versus, say, Matic, the a layer two built on onto. Um, onto Ethereum. And then Matic might grow faster than Ethereum because Ethereum has to go through more upgrades in order to compete with Matic in speed and cost of transactions. So you know, I'm going to keep an eye on this. I'll keep you updated. I don't want to keep talking and run over the time. I'm trying to keep these pieces short, looking into the future. So let me know what you think. Leave a comment below. If you have a question, you want me to dig into anything, I can do a deep dive. Just let me know. Drop, drop it in the bottom here. And I am going to hold on for dealer life. Hoddle on.